Thank you, Wesley. Again, it's great to see everybody here this morning. Uh, moms and dads, uh, if you were waiting on kids' praise dis- to be dismissed, we are not, uh, we're not having kids' praise today. Kiddos are going to um, stay in here. Don't worry, the lesson will be short. Don't worry, lesson will be short. Uh, but uh, we have mentioned that there were going to be a lot of people who were away today, so a lot of our volunteers uh, not present, and so um, we are not having, not having kids' praise today. We'll resume that again uh, next weekend. Uh, so we will uh, we'll all be together in here, in here this morning. You know, I started hearing uh, this last week from a lot of people who were saying they, they were not going to be able to be with us today because it is fall break around uh, Chattanooga area and North Georgia, and so a lot of people are taking the opportunity to, to travel and to be with, with family and to do some different things. We welcome those in who are watching us online, people who have traveled to Gatlinburg or to the beach and, and everything. Uh, you know, we've said before, we hope you get sunburn, we hope you get poison ivy. <laughs> Uh, but we're glad that you're watching. We're glad that you're watching today and, and are a part of what we're doing. Uh, but I, I started hearing all the people who were saying they, they were not going to be here this morning and we're not going to be able to be in town. And, and you start hearing that and you're like, wow, I wonder if anybody's going to show up. And, and, and then and it just kind of goes that way, right? You start hearing things that, that kind of puts you in a negative frame of mind. And then I thought, wait a minute. What about all the people that aren't going to be here, right? What about all the people that, that don't get to go off, or that don't get to be with family, and they don't get to have a vacation, and they have to go and work, and, and you know, all of those just poor souls. What about all of those people? Hey, we need to lift these people up. We need to have a good time. And so I've been excited about being able to come and be with all of you, and thanks so much for being here. But let's just be honest, it is easy to become negative. It is easy to become negative whenever we, we hear about things that are going on around us. When someone else gets a vacation and you don't, oh, man, I hope they get stuck in Atlanta, right? I mean, that, that's, and we say, Lord, just, just keep them for an hour or two. Not a long time, just an hour or two, but I hope they get stuck in Atlanta. I mean, we become negative. Everything from vacations to politics, social issues, and people talk about that, or the economy, world events. You know, it's hard to find positive information or positive news these days. Just check your Twitter feed. If you want to get negative, just jump right in there. Or tune in to your favorite cable news channel. Is there anything positive that's shared anymore on the news? Listen to the latest conversations around the office Keurig. Positivity and hope, they appear to be at an all-time low. In fact, It just seems that some people are just looking for something to complain about. Maybe you live with one of those people. Maybe you do. And I know you're looking at them right now. I I see some of you. Or or maybe if, if, if you don't think you live with those people, they're thinking of you. That's kind of how it works. Maybe you, you work with individuals like that. You know people who are just always looking for reasons to complain. So there was an avid duck hunter who was in the market for a new bird dog. And the, the search ended when he found a dog that could actually walk on water out to the ducks, retrieve them, and then walk back. Now, he knew that this was going to impress his buddies, especially one who was generally a pessimist by nature. So he invited his friend to go hunting with him as soon as he could. And they waited there on the shore, and a flock of ducks flew by, and boom, boom, boom. And the ducks began to fall, and sure enough, this guy's new dog, man, he just trotted out there onto the water, and he just began to prance his way all the way across, and he picked up a duck and brought it back. Well, the buddy didn't say anything. He just watched everything, 
watched it carefully. And all day long, as the ducks fell, the dog just walked across the water, picked up the ducks, and brought them back. They're on their way home. On the drive home, the, the owner of the dog asked his pessimist friend, Hey, did you notice anything unusual about my new dog? He said, I sure did. Your dog can't swim. Some of you know people like that, right? Maybe you are that person. Some people only see the negative. And we laugh about it, but think about yourself. How, how about you? What, what would your husband say about you? If, if, if he could say it and not be found out, okay? I mean, what would your wife say? What, what about your kids? What about your, what about your boss, your coworkers? If they had that private moment and were just asked, hey, is, is so-and-so, are they a negative individual or are they, are they positive? What would they say? Are you more Eeyore than Tigger? You know, which one, which one are you? Well, look, here's what I want to do this morning. I, I want to share with you something this morning that I hope changes the way that you look at, at the world. I hope it changes the way you look at the world. You say, wow, that's a, that's a, big, that's a big task that you've got. Hey, and I'm going to do it all in like 15 minutes. You ready? Here we go. In Jesus' Sermon on the Mount, here's what Jesus told his listeners about God. He said that God causes the sun to rise on the evil and on the good, and that he sends rain on the righteous and the unrighteous. Now, in the past, many of us have filtered these words through, a, through an Eeyore lens and used this passage to describe why bad things happen to good people and why negative things go on around us. Money problems and cancer diagnosis and marital unfaithfulness. Well, we say, well, we shouldn't be surprised by these things because after all, Jesus said, the rain falls on the just and the unjust. Jesus says, God doesn't play favorites. And so he lets everybody get their parade rained on every once in a while. This became quick proof, a quick proof text to explain misery and suffering and all the negative that we see around us. We just blamed it on God. God said... He sends the rain on everybody. But yet in our rush, in our rush to make sense of all the negativity that we see, in our rush to make sense of the bad news and the difficult circumstances, we ran right past Jesus' intended message. You see, in Matthew 5 and verse 45, Jesus is not trying to give us a theology as to why God's people must deal with the negativity and the difficulties and the hurts of the world. He's actually showing us why we should be good to those who are not good to us. He's showing us why we should be good to the people who reign on our parade. And the answer is because God is good to everybody. He gives his best, the message paraphrase says. He gives his best, the sun to warm and the rain to nourish to everyone, regardless, the good and the bad, the nice and the nasty. You've got to remember, when Jesus is sharing these words, he's talking to a people who live in an agrarian society. And in an agrarian society, rain is not a bad thing. Rain is the thing. It's life. You ask any farmer who has ever leveraged his farm on the next season's crop how important rain is. But in our 21st century thinking, it's just easy to mistake Jesus' words. Because rain, I mean, rain postpones ball games. And it makes driving hazardous. And rain brings would-be brines to tears. But in Jesus' world, rain equaled blessings. Blessings that came from God, no matter your relationship with God. Good or bad, according to Jesus, everybody gets wet. 
And it means that everybody gets blessed. Everybody gets blessed by God. Now think about that for a minute. No matter what a person thinks or doesn't think of God, they get to enjoy blessings from God. You think that's why that we're starting to enter into a season where people begin to think more about being thankful? See, God doesn't play favorites. He gives everyone something to be thankful for. Follower, non-follower, believer, unbeliever. And so oftentimes we'll ask, well, what are you thankful for? And we, and we start talking about our, maybe our health or our family or maybe it's a job. There's something tangible that we reach out and we say that we can touch. Well, these are the things that we are thankful for. And our thoughts often move to things that are shared grace moments. Ways in which everyone ends up getting wet and getting blessed by God. But I think that God wishes that we would say thank you for blessings that are specific to our relationship with him. See, since, since according to Jesus, the righteous and the unrighteous all share in the same blessings of God, we have to ask ourselves, well, what benefit is it to being a follower of Jesus? I mean, if Jesus says that rain falls on the just and the unjust, and God blesses people, no matter if they want to turn around and bless him and say thank you or not, well, then what use is it being a follower of Jesus? Or is there some of the rain, are there some showers that only fall on those who follow Jesus? I think so. See, as a believer in Christ, I am constantly showered with grace. I'm constantly showered with grace. And because of that, I have some blessings that are unique to being a follower of Jesus. And if you're a follower of Jesus, you have these same blessings. And guys, look, if you are not a follower of Jesus, these blessings are not yours today. You get other blessings from God, but the ones that I'm going to talk about are specific to those who say, you know what, I'm a follower of Jesus Christ. Like Ansley just said earlier, I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. You become wet in the waters of baptism, but you have already been showered by the grace of God. Well, what are those? Well, speaking about those who trust in Jesus for their salvation, Paul wrote in Romans chapter 5 and verse 1, that since we have been made right with God, by faith. We have peace with God because of what Jesus Christ, our Lord, has done with us. Guys, because I am showered with grace, I can live at peace with God. That's a blessing that I have as a follower of Jesus. If you're a follower of Jesus, you have that too. It's a happy consequence of our faith. Not just peace between neighbors and not just peace between in-laws or, or just peace at home, but we're talking about salvation that brings peace with God. You see, before we were showered with that grace, Paul says that humanity, we were God's enemies. And Paul uses a word that describes a person that is resolved to inflict harm. The person that is resolved to, to be irreconcilable, to have this deep personal hatred. He says that's what humanity was like, even those who were religious. He says this is what humanity was going around doing, hating God. It's what our lives had accomplished. Because a line was drawn in the sand. Humanity was on one side and God was on the other. It was a result of our sin. Every decision to live for self put us at odds with God. And every time Satan would come and whisper in our ear, our hearts would begin to form hatred for God because we wanted to destroy the oneness that God created because that was Satan's goal. He says, that's what it was like B.C., before Christ. 
before his sacrifice, before the love and forgiveness, before he brought you home. Look at Romans chapter 5. It says, we have peace with God. We have peace with God because of what Jesus Christ, our Lord, has done for us. Because of our faith, Christ has brought us into this place of undeserved privilege where we now stand. I want you to think about that phrase for a minute. Christ has brought us into. It's a Greek word that means to be ushered in the presence of royalty. Christ brings us from the outside into the throne room. He ushers us into the presence of God. And upon entrance, we find grace, not condemnation. We find mercy, not punishment. Once we were God's enemies, Paul says we were the enemies of God, but now we are God's family. And those of you who are parents, you understand this. If you were to get a knock on your door and, and there was some random teenager that was just standing there asking if they could come in and, and eat your food and, and spend the night and take over your, your gaming system, you would probably ask his or her name and, and, and where they lived and why they were out roaming the streets late at night and how you could get them back to their own family. But on the other hand, if a youngster enters your home escorted by your child, well, man, you roll out the red carpet, right? I mean, moms, man, you're making brownies, you know, you're, you're fixing the best food. Dad goes and he grills out. He's like, we're going to do hamburgers, we're going to do hot dogs, we're going to do Kaneka sausage. Man, we are going to just take it to the next level. This is going to be great because why? Our child has brought a friend home and they're welcomed in our house. You see, by becoming friends with the son, we gain access to the father and there's no conflict. There's only peace. Friends, the result of our sinfulness, the result of our sinfulness separated us and made us enemies of God. But because I am showered with grace, I can now live at peace with God because of what Christ, because of what Christ has done for me. But also because of our sinfulness, it not only brought us into conflict with God, but it also caused us, Scripture says, to be foolish and disobedient. Paul would tell Titus that we were misled. We became slaves to our many lusts and pleasures. Our lives were full of evil and envy, and we hated, and it says that we hated each other. We were enjoying those general blessings, those rainfall blessings that come on everyone, but we couldn't get along with anyone, couldn't get along with others. Now notice, this is Paul's description of how these early followers were before Christ. But yet it seems like that nothing has changed today. In our current age of outrage, we are perpetually encouraged to view others purely in categories as friend or foe. Are you on my side or are you against me? Do you vote like me or do you vote the other way? Do you endorse my worldview? Do you embrace my ideology? Do you support my theology? And if we're not careful, what happens is we begin to slip into these patterns these old patterns, these old ways of thinking, these old ways of reacting. But guys, once we experience the forgiveness in, that comes through Christ, well, God entirely transforms the way that we see other people. He entirely transforms the way that we see other people groups and other communities. Before Christ, we were suspicious of anyone who was different and walked different and talked different and looked different and acted different. Before Christ, we were filled with hatred for one another. Anybody that didn't agree with us, they were our enemy. But now that I've been showered with grace, I can live with, at peace with those who are not like me. I can live at peace with others. 
Listen to Paul describe the, the blessing of the cross and the impact it has on the follower of Jesus. This is from Ephesians chapter 2. It says, for Christ himself has brought peace to us. Did you see a common theme? We looked earlier. He's talking about the peace that we have with God. Where did it come from? Christ brought that. And he also brings peace now, the relationship we have with one another. He united Jews and Gentiles into one people when in his own body on the cross, he broke down the wall of hostility that separated us. Paul acknowledges and says, you know what? There have been times where there have been things that have separated individuals. And there have been things that have kept people distant. He says, but with the coming of Christ and with the sacrifice of Jesus, that separation was taken away. Because according to Paul, Jesus is the peace. He is the peace that brings ethnically diverse people together. He breaks down the walls that divide ethnically different people. And he creates a new group of humanity. You see, through the cross, individual sins are forgiven. And different ethnic groups are reconciled. And hostility between people groups, well, those things are destroyed. And that's why in the kingdom of God, we're told that we have stopped evaluating others from a human point of view. Because as Christians, my identity is not wrapped up in my ethnicity. It's not wrapped up in my class. It's not wrapped up in my gender. I am free to live at peace with others who don't vote like I vote or believe what I believe or worship how I worship or don't eat what I eat or don't live where I live. It's why Paul would tell a very diverse group of Christians that there is no longer Jew or Gentile. That's the ethnicity portion. He says there's no longer slave or free. He's talking about class distinction within the kingdom of God. He says there's not male or female. He's referring to, to the gender separation. He says, for you are all one, and here's that phrase, in Christ Jesus. I told you earlier that that's what made all the difference. In Christ Jesus is the key. In Christ Jesus, your ethnicity, your tribe, your heritage, well, that doesn't single you out and it doesn't exclude you. In Christ Jesus, your, your class, your status, your, your bank account, well, it doesn't make things easier, nor does it make things worse for you. In Christ Jesus, your gender, the fact that you're a man or the fact that you're a woman doesn't determine your value or your worth because in Christ Jesus, we are one. And that is a blessing. That is a blessing that comes through Christ. You see, in Jesus Christ, I understand that God loves those who are different from me. Imagine that. Imagine that. God loves someone who's different from me, and he loves them as much as he loves me. So I don't have to shout the loudest. And I don't have to fire off tweets. And I can be at peace with the people that I work with, and I can be at peace with, with my family at, at different holidays and and I can be at peace even with people within the church community because I realize that everyone is in need of grace. And because I've been showered with grace, I can live at peace with others. One more blessing. One more blessing that is unique to being a follower of Jesus. Because I am showered with grace, I can live at peace with myself. And that can be hard to do sometimes. You know we're harder on ourselves than anyone else is, right? We are. I mean, we, we get a picture made of us. We're like, man, do I look like that? We were taking new pictures this last week. For, they're going to be on, online. I haven't checked to see, Sean, if you put them up yet. Hope not. They're going to be on the website. 
And so we're getting our picture made. We're making sure the sun's just right and, and getting all the, the, the filters just put perfectly, you know, because that's why people come to your church, because how your ministry staff looks, right? And so we're getting ready to, to take these pictures, and, and I'm feeling pretty good, and, you know, I've lost some weight over the last year or so, and, and so I get there, I get my picture made, and then I, I, I look at it, because that's what you do, you know, after you get the picture made, because, because you have to look to make sure it was good. Hey, anybody here, by the way, remember what it used to be like when you would take the picture and then you would wait a week? And you hope during that week, man, you hope that that was going to be a good one. And you've been building yourself up and you've been saying, oh, this this, this got to work. I mean, it's got to work. This is the only chance I got. And then you get those pictures and you start flipping through them, flipping through them, flipping through them. And you're like, oh, man. And it's got that bright spot there right over your shoulder. Remember those? You know, we used, we used to tell people that was the Holy Spirit. You know, that, that God just must have wanted to be a part of that picture. And I wanted to look at this picture, and so I go and look at it, and I'm like, man, I look like I'm almost 50 years old. And I know I am almost 50 years old, but when I looked in the mirror that morning, I didn't look almost 50. And I was looking, I was like, my, my neck, my neck's skinnier. I'm like, man, I've got to wear colored shirts now more often. I've got to wear the collared shirt to cover up this, this, this thing that's holding up my head now. and We're hard on ourselves, right? By the way, the ladies of the staff look great. <laughs> they look great. Oh, we're hard on ourselves. Hey, say, say this with me right here. Repeat after me. My failures are not fatal. And you had a hard time with that, Right? I mean, it's one thing to talk about pictures, but it's another way to talk about how you let down your family, how you let yourself down, how you know you let God down. You, you didn't take the time to do what you were planning on doing. You had all the best intent and purposes, but it just didn't work out. And then you beat yourself up. And some of the things that we've done, man, they're, they're serious things, and they have impacted other people, and they have hurt people, and there's consequences, and yes, there is shame. But guys, your failures, they're not fatal. But in our hashtag no-filter world, we are constantly comparing ourselves to others. And we're living and dying with every follower and every like. And even though President Theodore Roosevelt once said that comparison is the thief of joy, we understand it, but man, we can't stop it. We can't stop it, and so we compare all of our pictures, and we compare our kids, and we compare our marriage, and we compare our bank accounts, and we compare our vacations, and, and we compare our churches, and we compare everything that we do and everything that we are, and it just doesn't stop. Or maybe I just need to come out and tell you this morning, maybe I just to come out and tell you, just to get it out of the way, that there is someone who can do life better than you. Right? I mean, if you're all hung up because you're like, I'm afraid somebody's going to be able to do my job better, or I'm afraid that somebody's going to be able, somebody's going to be a better dad, or somebody's going to be a better kid, or somebody's going to be a better follower of Jesus than I am, well, guess what? There is somebody that will do that. There is somebody. There's somebody that can sing better than you and play better than you. There's someone who is faster. There's someone who is smarter. And those of you who are, those kids of you, the kids who are still here today, they're not gone on your, your fall break college and high school, middle school alike, hear this from me just a minute. There is going to be someone who will make a better score than you. 
There's somebody that's going to make a better score. There's somebody going to make a better grade in the class. They're going to graduate higher. There's someone who is going to score better than you. And hear this, that is okay. That's okay. Because your performance does not determine your worth. And parents, that's something our kids have got to hear. Our kids have got to hear that. Kids have got to hear that it's not about what they make, it's not about how many trophies they get, it's not about how well they excel. Their performance does not determine their worth. And guess what? The children of God need to hear that as well. The children of God need to hear that and understand that it's not about our performance. It's not about our performance because there is someone who can follow Jesus closer than you and someone who can live out spiritual disciplines better than you and someone who can read more in their Bible than you, someone who can serve more than you. That person does exist and you can try your best to keep up with them and you will kill yourself spiritually in the process. Your performance does not determine your worth. You are valuable to God because you are His. He made you with all of your strengths and with all of your weaknesses. He knows you inside and out. And He knows your sins. And He knows your past. And He knows your present. And thank God, He knows your future. And He knows how ungodly that I can be. And yet, at just the right time, at just the right time, when we were still powerless, Christ died for the ungodly. And God demonstrated his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. And because of that, you can now live at peace with yourself. You can. You can let yourself off the hook. You can take yourself down off the cross because you were never supposed to be there in the first place. It belongs to Jesus. Guys, we have all reaped the rewards of God's goodness. Everybody in this room has. But for the follower of Jesus Christ, there is reserved something special. A, a peace with myself and a peace with others. There's a peace with God. There's a peace that comes from centering my faith on Christ. And this peace with God means I'm no longer His enemy. And this peace with those who are, who are not like me means that I'm reminded day in and day out that after all, God loves them just as much as He loves me. And the peace that I'm able to have with myself means that I can forget all about the filters. And I can live in confidence, knowing of the salvation that has been poured out upon me by God's grace. Friends, there are a lot of negatives in this world. And I don't want you to think that I'm denying that. I like to look at things from a half-full glass. I'm a pie-in-the-sky kind of guy. I am. I walk and trip over things because my, my head's up in the clouds sometimes. That's just the way that I live and the way that I have always kind of gone through life. I'm not denying that there are negative things that are out there. But here's something that I wish we could all do. I wish that we could all choose to focus on the blessings of God instead of the negativities of this world. We live in a world that is unfair. We live in a world that is unjust. We live in a world that is unloving. We live in a world that is unforgiving. We live in a world that tries to beat humanity down every single chance that it can get. That, that's the world that we live in. But friends, we have been soaked by God. We have been blessed by God. And, and so for, for me, the way I look at it, 
It's a choice to focus on these blessings and then to live accordingly where I'm not going to be consumed with negativity. I'm not going to complain all the time. and I'm not just going to be an Eeyore. And I'm not just going to let all these things weigh me down and think that there, there is no hope and there's no future and that everything is just dystopian. And one of these days it's going to be Hunger Games all over the place. And, and I sure hope you guys are coming to Archery on Tuesday night because if you're not, you're, you're toast. I mean, it's just going to be over for you. But I choose not to look at life that way. And the reason I choose that is because God soaks me with his grace every single day. And a person who has been soaked by God's grace looks at life through a totally different lens. I have been blessed. And so have you. And so let's focus on that this week. And when people ask us, hey, how you doing, and how's it going, and what you think about all the stuff that's happening in the world, be honest and say, man, there's some awful stuff that goes on. And, and yeah, you know, it can get you down, but man, I am, I'm just blessed. And then look at them and say, you are too. And then follow that up and say, and if you're in Christ, you're doubly blessed. If you're not in Christ, I would love for you to be able to experience peace with God. And I'd love for you to be able to experience peace with others and in peace with yourself. And that peace is only found in Christ. Ainsley demonstrated today how simple it is to be baptized into Christ. Maybe your faith has led you to that point where you would like to experience those same blessings. Maybe you've experienced those blessings before. Maybe you have been showered with God's grace, but you know what? For whatever reason, you took up Satan's umbrella and you've just been holding it up over you, refusing to acknowledge the grace that comes from the Almighty God. I hope that you'll do that this week. Hope that you'll put the umbrella down and just let God's grace soak you. And if you'd like to be baptized into Christ this morning, we'll celebrate with you. We'll celebrate and rejoice. If you'd like to speak with someone about your faith journey, we have one of our elders who will be in our prayer room located in our lobby. You can go and speak with them privately. Or you can come before this church body and you can say, you know what, I'm a complainer, I'm negative, and I need to remember I'm blessed. You are. So let's stand and praise God.